Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Mike Boris, and I've teamed up with Stake, one of Australia's top investing platforms, to talk about going public. IPOs are exciting milestones that unlock new capital, draw more attention, and open up opportunities. But a lot happens before and after the trading bell rings, and it's not all glamour. Join me in candid conversations with prominent business leaders as we reveal all the ups and downs of getting a private company listed. With me today is Dr. Alan Taylor, and he's a chairman of Clarity Pharmaceuticals. Clarity Pharmaceuticals is an Australian clinical stage cancer biotech developing radio pharmaceutical products to image and diagnose cancers. It engages in research, development, and clinical stage evaluation of its portfolio of novel radio pharmaceutical products. The company was listed on the ASX as recently as 2021 under the ticker CU6. And you're about to hear all about how that transition went. So here's Dr. Alan Taylor for Going Public. Dr. Alan Taylor, welcome to Going Public. G'day, Mark. Thanks for coming in. Glad to be here. Uh, Clarity Pharmaceuticals. Um, you're a founder. You're one of the early dudes. Take me through it. What do you guys do? We develop products that better treat children and adults with cancer. In a nutshell. Cancer. Cancer. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, um, it's pretty heavy. I see you're a doctor. I mean, we're calling you Dr. Alan Taylor. So you've got a PhD in what? Uh, I did it down the road from here at the Garvin Institute. Pretty in, relevant place. Yeah. Biochemistry and molecular biology, my day, but it's technically in medicine as part of the faculty of medicine. But uh, it was specifically in cell signaling. Uh, and What's that at, mean? It means um, when you have something bind to a receptor, there's a whole bunch of things that happen inside the cell and you want to see what those proteins are doing, turning on, turning off. And uh, if in disease, and particularly type 2 diabetes, which was the area I was in, we wanted to look at the effects of uh, fats, lipids, on insulin resistance. And so uh, we modelled the cell signalling pathway, looked at the areas that there was a problem, and it was down in a little protein called glycogen synthase, which makes glycogen. So uh, it's a, you know, I know an awful lot about this much. And, uh, well, it's not this, it's just something very small. <laughs> it is. But it's pretty bloody important. It's important, yeah. There's cell yeah. signaling also probably sort of bleeds into what you guys are doing around cancer too. It does, yeah. Cancer cells yeah. and all your other cells do yes. these sort of send signals as well. They do. And yes. they're markers. Incredibly important. For you. For, for your business. Yes. In terms of diagnostics. Yes. Or where to treat. Diagnostics and therapies. Yep. Okay. And where so, to treat. Yeah. So take me through the journey of um, the business. So um, I'm interested to know why Clarity Pharmaceuticals, why Clarity? What's it called, Clarity? It's for? a good name. Uh, it's uh, There's an imaging side of it as well. So PET imaging. PET imaging is uh, excellent imaging modality. And so we have PET imaging on, on one part of our company. So pet, then, pet, just to explain what PET imaging, pet imaging pet, is. PET means? It's uh, PET cameras, a positron emission tomography cameras, and they pick up positrons. So we use an isotope called copper 64. Wait a minute, what's a positron? Positron, uh, it's a little, you know, high energy molecule type right. thing that's coming off, right, that we can detect. In your body? No, it's in the it's in the isotope. It's in a radiation, it, radioactive it's isotope. It's in the isotope, which is the stuff you inject. Exactly, yep. exactly. But we hold the radiation in a cage, and that's the great science, right? About 70 years ago, a guy named Alan Sargison down at ANU, came up with this novel way of holding copper, 
and uh, and then that got into the hands of a guy named Professor Paul Donnelly at the University of Melbourne, and uh, and he made that cage more functional in that we just doesn't hold copper, but we can target cancers with molecules like small molecules, all the way up to large antibodies and everything in between. So when we infuse the products with the isotope, it goes to the cancer, sits on the cancer, and we image, and then. We get the same product, exactly the same product, but we put copper 67 in it, which is actually a high energy uh, beta emitter, which actually goes to the cancer and then kills the cancer. And you want to do that in a safe and effective way, right? So that's what found, that was the basis of Clarity Pharmaceuticals in the first instance. Can I, can I just go back a bit, Alan, to just sure. understand a little bit more? So the isotope yep. that is put into your vein and somehow makes its way down to the prostate, for example, yep. where the cancer might be. That isotope you said is in a cage, in, in a container. What, what is the isotope? It's an isotope of what? Of what? Copper. Of copper. So basically an isotope of copper means it's missing an electron or something like that or something yeah, gets stripped exactly off. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh, – and copper, is, uh, I can't remember where it sits on the, on the periodic table, but um, how many electrons in its outer shell? Oh, I don't even know. Okay. But, know. But, 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 yeah. So you can strip off electrons, yeah. base, basically. Yeah. And, and, and you, can, so. you have a you have a because you're making a, a, a an isotope itself, so it becomes radioactive. Yeah. And that's the critical. Well, it becomes part. volatile. Why do you need to put it into a cage? What because was... you actually the active ingredient, if you like, is the isotope. Yeah. If you don't put it in a cage and you just inject it in the body, it'll all go to the liver. Right. And so the liver fills because the body sends it there. Yeah. Yeah. To metabolize. Yep. Yeah. But we don't want that. Right. right? What we want to do is utilize the physical characteristics of the two isotopes, right? We want to encapsulate it in a a cage, which we've done now, and that's our proprietary position. You're killing me here. So what is a a cage? It's called a chelator. Right. Right. And it's a chemical chemical cage which encapsulates the metal inside. So it sort of covers it over. It does. And doesn't let it. It's chemically bound. And it means that your body doesn't recognize this thing. It recognizes what's what's in the cage. So- we want it to be excreted the normal way through the kidneys, yep. right? Excreted from the body. We don't want it building up in places that we don't want it to go. So when it's held in the cage and we attach a targeting agent to it, it stays in the cage and it swims around the body until it finds the receptor that we're targeting, right? Wow. And then it binds to that. So this is um, this is in an area called targeted therapies. You may have heard that, yep. you know? So, so it's a new way of treating cancer. Yeah. So you've got chemotherapy, which goes everywhere, and you're trying to poison the cancer before you poison the patient. You've got surgery, you cut it out, right? And then you've got external beam radiation. So external beam radiation, yep, all the way through the body, and it hits all the tissues on the way. This is a new way of actually directing the radiation specifically to the tumor to shrink and kill the tumor. Right out. Wow. So in terms of how long ago were you and all your... (laughs) Or your cohort of um, discoverers, uh, and probably you know biochemists, and you know probably um, cancer specialists, all sorts of people. How long ago were you guys sitting around a, a room somewhere <laughs> talking this through? Like how, we, how long we go? Well, back? look, I my my background. So when I finished uh, my PhD, I actually went into the capital markets. So I spent the next over a decade. M and A. Advisory, IPOs, secondaries, and those sorts of things, specifically, and, and more focused on life sciences. Right. So I spent a lot of time in that game, right? Because and, someone, um, and if I don't, if I, if I could just inter, interject, with, is that because the organization you were working for uh, wanted to promote their ability to um, get deals away, raise funds for biotech, health tech, whatever, med tech? Well, they need an expert in the area. That's exactly right. So, uh, so when I was in my PhD, I realised something really important as far as my career is concerned. Basic science, which which is called discovery science, is done in fantastic institutes like the Garvin, right? Where you go and you publish that research. But when you find something and you patent it, there's no funding, yeah. right? At that time, right? No grant funding. So then I realised during my PhD that the really cool stuff that I wanted to work on getting science from the benchtop to humans actually happening companies. Yeah. So then I went and studied finance as well during my PhD. Not a smart move. That's a lot of work. And then as soon as I handed in my PhD, 
I went into investment banking first and cut my teeth on things like resources, deals, and those sorts of things. And a couple of years in, I was headhunted by a group that I spent the rest of my time at uh, called Intech for many, many years. And uh, we did you know, the biggest life sciences deals ever in Australia. And that answers your question, right? So they had a little bit of exposure to healthcare and life sciences already. I came in with scientific understanding, but my focus really was advisory, understanding the game, understanding how to put together deals, how to get how to get funding, and love the science, right? So it's a sort of and understood the science, understood the science, and you could have a conversation about the science because exactly. you know, like uh, you got on one hand, you got the people who invent the deal, like you know, coming maybe from Garvin or one of those institutes who aren't very good on finance. Um, but they're good on the science. Yes. But then on the other hand, you've got people who are investors who want to put the money in and they don't know anything about science, but they're really good on money. Yes. And But someone's got to meet it in between. That's someone's exactly got to set right. the deal up. And that's that's where Dr. Alan Taylor comes in. Loved it. Loved yep. the game. When it comes to the business clarity now, you know, you're the exec chair there, but why did you choose Clarity Pharmaceuticals in terms of the products you just explained to me about? Yeah. So I left the game in 2013, April 2013. You, so you left advisory? Yeah, yep. investment banking. So um, uh, specifically for two reasons. Uh, I wanted to meet my kids. That's always nice to do. Yeah. It was tough in the day, right, investment banking. It's a bit different now since COVID, but uh, you know, you're in the office early, 7 a.m. You're leaving at 7 p.m., 8 p.m. on a good night. So you my daughter didn't even know who I was, right? So shifted for that and also shifted for another reason. I wanted to focus on a lot of the deals we did were US deals. We bring US companies here, do nice big IPOs and those sorts of things. I wanted to focus on Australian science. Uh, they tell us that we don't do it very well, right? The translation of Australian science. Um, you know, we're good at basic science, but no one translates. Everyone talks about ResMed and Cochlear, but they were, you know, 20, 30 years yeah, ago. 30 years ago, quickly. Exactly. So what happened was uh, I left the game April 2013, uh, shot out an email to all my contacts. Within an hour, my phone was ringing and a uh, bunch of opportunities. I said, no. I said, I'm going to have some time off. My plan was to have, have a year. And this group called Clarity, which was set up by a tech transfer office. So a What's group, that? That sort of um, groups, typically within universities, you have a, uh, a tech transfer office, which identifies this IP and then tries to sell it to the world, right? This was an outsourced one, um, and they came across the, the the tech working for the University of Melbourne, and uh, they couldn't sell it, right? Clarity was set up on failure, right? They couldn't sell it, just because it was so early stage. It was at the bench top, it was a couple of prov provisional patents, just way too early for big pharma, if you like, right? So they said, well, we're gonna incorporate a company and we're gonna raise a little bit of capital. They, they being? They, the, the TM Ventures yep. is the name of the group. And, uh, and, uh, and we're gonna bring the patents in and we're going to try and make this work. In 2013, they were in trouble. Uh, gave me a call, they were running out of money. There was no employees. Uh, you know, what you term a, a very bad company at the time, but it was in really startups phase, right? So, and, uh, and but the, you know, the patents were there, provisional, but still working their way through. And they'll specifically focused on diagnostics. And my background's not that, my background's therapies. You know, I don't think it's a good idea just to tell people they're going to die. I want to work out ways that to we can make that change. Exactly. So, uh, and then we had that conversation later in that year. And the back end of that year, I came on board. Uh, yeah, my title's executive chair. And no one's changed that since, right? But there was no one else in the company. So this is 2013. So this is 2013. So given what, um, I don't know what you call the person, but the, the mob that um, identified this technology and uh, but also realised it was in on its last legs and needed to get it fixed. What needed to happen with that company that owned that technology before you could move forward? Yeah, so it was really early stage, right? Needed people. So, so I came on yep. full-time, right? On your own at this stage? Uh, that's, but I made people join, right? One of the guys out of TM Ventures, Matt Harris, he came and joined, right? I made well, what, Now, what was the role we are trying to fill there? Uh, I needed more people. <laughs> no, but what, what, what so did Matt- So he came on as CEO. Right, okay. Right? Because uh, I was executive chair, and just to keep that a little bit mixed up, but I'm yep. a full-time executive, yep. right? And then we started to, I, I had to go straight out and raise some capital. 
so they couldn't raise any at the time. So I said, well, let's restructure the deal. Let's make it a million dollars. Uh, raise a million. Raise a million. I'll put my money where my mouth is, cornerstoned it. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I'd, I'd done probably north of $2 billion worth of transactions in the market. I had a, a good contact base of people who were in the life sciences, understood life sciences, how long it was going to take. So then I ran around for a couple of months, chased that money up before we knew it had a million dollars in the bank. And we started to set the scene of building these products. We did something else too. We actually formed a, a sort of a little bit of a services business out of that to generate a little bit of revenue. Uh, startups need cash, right? So uh, that helped us understand our technology better, working okay. with Big Pharma. So Big Pharma would attach the, the cage to their antibody or whatever, and then we could image where it was going or if it was hitting the uh, the target, right? Okay, so, we did, so hang on, just before you say, because the cage technology is your technology, it's yes. the company's technology, yep. um, uh, Clarity's technology is the cage. Um, pharma has the copper isotopes and others. We, we, we organised the copper isotopes. You went to Big Pharma and you said, look, here's our cage. You put your product in there. Yeah. We just attached the cage to their product because they're targeting cancer. As well. And we just imaged to see whether it's hitting the cancer or not. Right. Right. Nice and simple. It was making about a half a million a year with, okay, GP. Yep, that's good money. GP's, you know, non-dilutive funding, right? Yep. So, but it helped us develop our, our products. You know, the real money, we've got a platform technology that can be applied to 10, 20, 30, 50 products. But the issue with platform technology is a lack of focus, right? So we had to make our own products and then move that into the clinic. That's very important. So because I've seen this with tech before, um, they have a great thing, could do a thousand million things. And, uh, and everybody starts trying to do the thousand things and they don't do one thing properly. That's exactly right. And so, so platform technology being a, a technology which the platform can provide to all sorts of users. For example, in your case, Big Pharma. You know, someone can put another product inside it and go yep. and detect cancer. Yep. How do you decide which products to choose or which which lines of product to choose to be so that you, you know, don't spread yourself too thin? Yeah, good question, hey. It's um, the first product was easy. There was a peptide out there called octreotate. It was the, it was the whole product and that, that protein was well characterized, right? Meaning we might Meaning well understood right. in the body, where it goes, where it hits. So, and it was off patent. So we just got that that product, put it, our cage, cage to it. Yep. And we did a 10 patient trial at the Peter Mac, you know, down in Melbourne. Yep. Great institute, right? So, uh, and we found that ours was equal than this other one. We also had this opportunity because of copper 64 has a longer half-life. So we get imaged the next day. And in 10 patients, we found one patient that when we imaged the next day, we picked up a cancer that wasn't visible on the same day in the pancreas. Right. In neuroendocrine tumors. We went, wow, that's good. Well, firstly, it works, right? The product works. Secondly, it looks like we might be able to generate a little bit of a you know, competitive advantage against the other isotopes which have short half-lives of one and two hours. Right, okay. half-life being half-life of one hour, then at the, at the end of two hours, it's gone out of the system. Uh, it's it's half it again, half again, half again. So okay. about three to four hours, right. okay. and you start not being able to image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's exactly not, right. Yeah. yeah. So, but basically, it's a diminishing return. That's right. So you, 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 so in your case, so you are actually able to extend the period with which your isotope could be sit in the cage and detect something because it has a twelve point seven hour half life. Suddenly, you can image the next day easy. Yeah, and even the day after. But there's real benefits with the next day imaging. Right. Right. Now, I'm going to come back to your question, how did you choose? Because that was yep. the first product, and that's in neuroblastoma now. We're running a therapy trial in the US trying to better treat kids with cancer, right? A nasty cancer. So that was the first uh, product, if you like, in humans. But I'll focus on the prostate uh, asset. We actually, there's a, there's, when you're targeting uh, prostate cancer, you hit a protein, a PSMA, mm -hmm. right? And there's a, what's termed a urea target, right? Uh, fuel amino acids long, and it targets that receptor, right? So we made one. There's a there's a there's a product called Plavicto, a therapy product that uh, Novartis are commercializing now. This is probably a ten billion US dollar market, right? And they made one. Uh, they didn't make one. They bought one right off a company that has that single target. We made one exactly the same, and when we utilized it, 
we found ours was as you know equally as bad as the other ones, right? Moderate uptake into the into the cancer, and it washed out over time. So what we did was went back to the bench. Okay, this is with Professor Paul Donnelly, University of Melbourne, and great collaboration. This is when Malcolm Turnbull was around and speaking. Yeah, we had the Innovation Nation. Exactly. So this is about six years ago or so. We actually invented the product, but there was good uh, grant funding and uh, industry academic collaborations. And we actually made a new product. We looked at the chemistry of what was going on. And that single target, we actually put two on it, right? optimized the linker length and had the cage, right? When we put two on it, it's doubled to triple the amount of product in the cancer. And then we could, it actually stayed there over time, which is what you want, right? Area under the curve, particularly if you're trying to zap it with radiation, you want a lot in the tumor and stay there over time. So we made a new product. We have about 15 years of patent life still on that product. And that product now is in phase two clinical trials therapeutically and phase three clinical trials diagnostically. So at this stage, you've got your investors or the money you raise, what would you have called that? Whether they're private investors or high net wealth, what are we looking at? Well, it's at different times, all right? So, so let's talk about the first million. Yeah, the first million was a, was a group of uh, high net worth, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, a local pharma company that understands pharmaceuticals and a device company and those sorts of people, right? So that was relatively easy. People who believe in you sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. You're backing Yeah, yeah they're backing and, me. And right? if you're going to put time. your money into it, we'll, we'll go with you. Yeah, we'll go. And they've known me for a long time, right? They've known me from the markets. They know who I am and what I do. So the next one was $2 million, right? A couple of years later, we actually went to raise another million and then someone wanted to put a big parcel in. And then so we lifted to $2 million. Next one was four. So the, the next two, same type of people? High net worth. Yep. Yeah. And we had a guy named, uh, you probably know, um, Chris Roberts of uh, Cochlear fame. Mm-hmm. He came onto the board and he, right. he, he wrote a check into that round. Right? right. So it was good. So we started to build the board and uh, and obviously build the tech and get the funding. So can I just stop you the two million there for a second? Yeah, um, sure. Um, um, so at two million, once you raise two million, so you could raise a million. You went to go and get another million, but you got oversubscribed. So you you, so you you got you got checks for two. You built your board, put the, put someone else on your board. At this stage, you got your CEO. What are the because you're building? You're building. Yes. You're building building from every direction. Yes, from the top down or the bottom up or whatever, whichever way you want to do it. And you're also building your capital base. But um, what else did you have apart from CEO? Uh, well, myself, Apart from full, collaborations yeah, that's as well. right. Yeah, so myself was full time. I've been in full time yep. and on the tools, right? Yep, I, I'm, a, I'm that sort of person, right? And then we started to bring in. I brought in a student. I was lecturing at Sydney like Uni. A PhD student, the best one, uh, but in business actually, because right. right. we need business people as well yep. around it. And we had some uh, good people, and I brought in a scientist from the Garvin, came and started working on the preclinical work, and then slowly evolving with different skills and expertise. And then we started to move into the clinic, so you need to bring on clinical people, right? For the testing. Yeah. So we're about um, the team now. It's about 44 people. Uh, There's a majority still in Australia, but there's a third in the US. And it's to, because we're running so many clinical trials now, it's uh, clinical focused, you know, reg and all those sorts of things. We still have preclinical work going on and discovery. But back then it was like slowly bringing on people. You know, and as your money, funding. as you yeah. as you got more money, you're able to bring on more people. Yes. So you get you do a two million round. Yep. A similar sort of process, like high net wealth, etc. Yep. Um, increase the board strength, the bench strength at the board level, um, and 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 also below that as well. Um, what's your next raise? The next one was four. Similar yeah. process again. Yeah, yeah, but this time it was on the back of um, the CRCP. Which means what? It's the grant funding. It's a bigger bulk of uh, grant funding. So we started to bring that money in. So we had grant funding, R&D tax. Um, yep. No, it's really good. It's fantastic, actually, in Australia. 40% return. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's great. 40% for every dollar you spent. spent. Yep. Yeah. So- um, And that's an important one too, by the way. Incredibly. Investors like to know that you can get the uh, R&D- um, let's call it rebate, whatever the words are from the government, in yep. advance of you claiming the deduction one day. So you don't get to claim the deduction down the track, but you get a 40% uh, refund now, yes. so to speak, on the money you spend Highly on. Highly predictable. And it's, but it's got to be within a framework of rules. You know, you've got to spend it on certain things. In Australia. Yep. yep. It's got to be done in Australia, et cetera, et cetera. But if, you, if a buy by the rules, there's just a check from the government. 
you call it a grant. It's sort of more, it is a grant, but it's more really a refund of what you would otherwise be able to deduct against income in the future. Yes. Yep. So it's to bring your losses forward yep. sort of thing. And to leverage every investor dollar, right? Really, yep. that's the basis. So for every dollar investor gives you, you get a, uh, you get a dollar forty to spend. That's sort of the theory. Roughly, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if it's if it's just going on research. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, these are big numbers. You know, we're, yeah. we've got ten million dollars coming in this year. Right? So highly predictable. We're putting in the tax return. The ten million dollars will end up in your bank account. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah, and more uh, investors like it. Yes. It's very important. So you do the one, then you do the two, then you do the four. I, I feel like I'm, I've got a geometric uh, arithmetic sequence going on here. What happened after that? Ten. Ten. Oh, my God. And the reason, Mark, is you start off right, you haven't got much idea of what's what's going on. It's very speculative, right? You get the million dollars, you substantiate something, right? You start to build confidence. Like a resources company drills holes, right? Yeah. You start to build confidence in your asset. And milestones. Yes. And you hit your milestones. Vitally important, okay? So then at two million, you've got you know, some idea of what's going on, right? The two million is gonna be spent here, 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 hit every milestone, and then the four becomes easy, right? Because you go back to the same investor base, you say, look, we're gonna raise four. Uh, do you wanna play again? Yes or no, this is what we've done, this is what we've achieved, and this is what we're going to achieve. This is the use of funds, right? And we went out and did it. So the 10 this time was a bit different. Uh, we actually had a group called Genesis Care. Um, who was the largest service provider in, in clinical care and cancer care and those sorts of things in Australia at the time, right? And they came in for five. So then- So you got your anchor. Yeah, cornerstone that. And if Genesis Care are in, everyone loves it, right? Because it's starting to build that strategic- And also interest. it looks like they've done the work. Yes. You know, like- Yep. Yeah, like and they know the game. Yeah. They know the game and uh, they know where we fit. Yeah. Really important. So external validation. How, how did you find, how did, did you find Genesis yourself or did they pitch in or pitch you, pitch them? How did it work? We're working with a clinician at the time. They said, look, we're, we're part of this group. One of their clinicians. Contact. And you know what? They're all down the road. So we're based in Redfern. Yeah. They were down in Alexandria. Right. Perfect. Who would have thought, you know? So, uh, and uh, so we did the five. Then I called up all our shareholders. That, that was another four coming in. And then I ran around, chased the one, and it was all done. So Ten million bucks. So j just if I could just stop there on the ten, then. So you, you've raised, um, you know, twenty million, sort of close enough to. Um, what are the significant? I, I know this is not in the market. This is in the market, but in the private market. So what are the significant things? I don't want to call them negotiables, but the significant dash fundamentals that you need to present on each occasion. So you mentioned the word milestones. So you have to demonstrate to them you can achieve milestones. So there's no point, I guess, in over-stretching or over-exaggerating like how far you go. You've got to be sort of sensible in, in the, in the, when you do the range. So look, if we get a million dollars, I think we can achieve this. It doesn't matter what your vision is. Because you know investors can get a little bit confused. They might go, "Hang on, you said that you know everyone in America is going to be buying this product. Well, you meant one day after we've raised another twenty, thirty, forty, fifty million, whatever it happens to be. You, yep. How important is it for you to be very clear what milestone you can achieve before you go back after you raise a million to raise another two? So you know what? Um, communication is key, right? So this time, remember, I've already had. You know, fifteen years in the market, right? Yep. And uh, and you see how companies do it. Clear communication to your shareholders. These are people I know. I'm not, I'm not using a broker or anything. I'm raising this capital from my network and other people. They want to know what's going on all the time. So even if you look at Clarity now, and we're in a listed space, you'll see clear communication of what we're trying to achieve. We try and simplify it because we have a diverse range of knowledge. Uh, of investors and you focus on continuing to keep yourself open to that interaction and to make sure they know exactly what we're going to do. So, Alan, do you, do you, do you, well, during that period before you get listed, because, you know, once you're listed, you've got continuous disclosure requirements, but you also got a platform to put all the information. During prior to that period, um, in terms of um, talking to your, your investors, do you run a really solid website with an investor page where they can go to, or is it just more email communication? How, how do you run it? Definitely. Kept it exactly the same way as if we were listed. Right. Right? There's certain regulatory things you need to abide by as an ASX listed company, but we ran it exactly the same. In, other words, in those, preparation for the day you become ASX yeah, listed. Yeah, But there's a couple of things, right? I think if you do that work, everything becomes easier. 
yeah. clear communication. They know what you're doing. Uh, they start to love the company and because they want to be part of it, right? We're trying to better treat people with cancer, so they love being part of it. Your shareholders, I just see it as a, you know, the two most important group groups of people in your company, your team, right? They're the ones who work day to day in the grind, and the other ones are your shareholders. And they've come along from the ride now for 10 years uh, as part of this story, and they want to be part of it. And they continue to invest, and they continue to like the story. We've got great communicate, and I, I, you know, this is what we do. This is the focus. Make sure people know we do our work. We tell them what we're going to do. You go and do it. You come back to them. And you might not ask for money. You come back to them and say, look, we did this. This is where we are now. Now we're going to do this work and keep it really clear. So there's no guesswork, right? Uh, I find a lot of companies, particularly in life sciences, don't do that. Uh, they say, oh, well, our story's too technical or this or that, or don't communicate. And that's when you get those. That's when you get issues. Our shareholders are not there to, you know, they're not combatants. They want to be part of it. So they're part of it. In, in terms of um, shareholders that also like to see increase in value, yeah. um, what's the process up to, up to and including the $10 million raise? What's the process of enterprise value relative to the amount of money you're going to raise and more importantly, the amount of dilution pr pr previous investors might be getting? Yeah. So there's some important points there, right? So um, we only raised, uh, only utilized ordinary shares. There was no VCs. No press. Yeah. No VCs. Right. Uh, we had some interactions with VCs, but we- So no notes, no C nothing. con notes, no nothing. pref shares. Nothing. All ordinary. Vanilla. Yep. So, and that was at every capital raising. The only thing we did at the IPO, we did a split because investors don't like investing at $30 stocks. Yeah, they like yeah. $1 stocks, right? So, uh, and that's all we've done. But that's just a, a technical thing. It's nothing really, the split. Yeah, the um, split important. System. It looks better, but yeah, yeah, it feels yeah. better. It's just psychological, yeah, right? Yeah, it feels better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pure psychological. Yeah. Um, but you didn't get, but did you, you, so you didn't let anyone sort of turn you over and sort of say, listen, we want not con notes and uh, because that sort of pollutes the whole process. It does, yeah. Makes everyone feel uncomfortable. We had people tell us that and we said no. Hmm. So at the $10 million raise, we spoke to a couple of VCs and uh, funny story, and I told them no, yeah. basically. You know, VCs are, uh, you know, I find VCs to be um, a little bit overbearing in this market. You know, if you're delivering- In this current market? In Australia. Yeah, right. Right. So particularly in the life sciences, they want to control with shareholders agreements. They, they buy veto rights and- Everything. They've got liquidation rights. They've got, uh, you know, they want, to, they want to control everything, right? Hmm. So my answer was, it was quite a funny one. I said, uh, are you at least going to buy me a drink before you try and do that to me? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and uh, I said, well, I've raised the 10 million ourselves because I'm going to put 10 million in. And so I went and raised the 10 million, right? But, you know, a lot of a lot of people in companies, they don't necessarily have those the skills of capital raising, right? And those sorts of things. So they have to take those sorts of deals. Especially technical people. Yeah. Unfortunately, because yeah. they just think, oh, that's the way it is. It is, yeah. Talk to a VC. Yeah. I mean, sometimes a VC suits, but, yeah. you know, they might not have any other opportunities. They might, they might not be able to get a, H, a high net wealth or you might not be able to get like that um, Genesis group. Yeah. You might not be able to get someone like that. How important was Genesis to you for the 10? Oh, they were, they were great, right? It's... um. And they were great. In, they were great shareholders. Like Genesis, Genesis uh, found themselves in a little bit of a pickle. They expanded too quickly in the US, and now they've had issues financially and stuff. So they're not a shareholder today because of their own reasons. But they were a great shareholder. Uh, they were great because they had the, some of the principal investigators that are running our clinical trials now are part of Genesis Care in the US. Uh, they gave strategic, you know, insights and those sorts of things. We utilised their CRO in Australia. They were still trying to grow a CRO, so we helped them with that. Uh, and they were just great. They were great because the communication was open and we catch up with them every now and again. They're just down in Alexandria. Great bunch of people in there. And we had a great relationship. So 10. 10. ASX, what's next? When? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So we were considering it. We had a call from a group. Um, actually, my name, you know, the Blue Ocean Yeah, I know. Team. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I know Potsy well. Brand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good guy. Good guy. So they're analyst who I was with yesterday, actually. A great guy, right? Michael Gurgis. He reached out to us and I said, well, I know. I know the boys really well because- uh, Back in the day, they were at Southern Cross. They yep. were doing a bunch of deals together, right? Michael goes, you guys are really- Before that, with uh, Potsworth Trumbull. Going yeah, back yeah, in the 80s. yeah, yeah, a long time. I remember time. those days, but- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, terrific. They've been around, right, yeah, for a yeah, long yeah. time. Yep. So, but a small shop, right? Yeah. Boutique. So, Michael called up and said, listen, 
you, you guys look really good. Why don't you consider, you know, an IPO? And we started to think about, well, where are we? We had two products in the clinic. We had another one that was sort of nearly in the clinic. And we went to the US. And this is 2000, late 2019. We had a bit of a sounding and uh, came back and said, look, I think we can do things a bit better, right? I don't think we're ready for, a, say, a $40, $50 million raise. I think we can do better. So we actually did a $25 million pre-IPO round, you call it, right? Yep. Once again, no, no prefs, nothing, ordinary shares, which made it a little bit harder, particularly because we kicked it off in April 2020. <laughs> Good luck. From my backyard. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and we had, you know. Plenty of Zoom calls. <laughs> well, on the phone first and those sorts of things. And, you know, Australia just went into lockdown, right? So it was at the beginning, we didn't even know where we were, right? By the end of the year, we did the 25. And I had the, the boys help us with that. There was, there was, you know, they struggled in the beginning. I said, well, I'll raise it myself. So I ended up raising 12 myself, 11, 12 myself. And then they uh, started to get some, you know, some instos in and those sorts of things. So it was good. Great guys, right? And then we got that third asset, which was the PSMA asset in the clinic. So we had three assets that work, right? At least at that stage, early clinical work. And uh, because we spent a lot of time trying to optimize that PSMA agent, if you remember. Yep. Right? So it took us a little bit longer. We got that into the clinic and then we listed, right? In so, August, 2021. Right. So did you raise in the list? Yes. And how much did you raise? $92 million. A further $92 million. Yes. So you've raised like 150 or 160. 130, 40, yeah, including the R&D tax and those sort of things, about 150, 60, something yeah. like that. So when you, when you make the decision to go on the ASX and get retail money in, as well as, you know- uh, Well, it was institutional. Institutional. Focused. Yeah. But, uh, more, but it's sort of institutional retail, if you know what I mean. It's not like that whole wholesale that you were doing yourself, that you knew everybody. Did you have someone to sponsor it? Yeah. So we had uh, Jeffries. Yep. Big US group. Yep. They've got a big name in life sciences where they, and they've set up here. Uh, great bunch of people there. Uh, and Bell Potter. Bell Potter. And I've known Bell Potter for a long time. Yeah. Right? So uh, uh, they're, they're more retail focused, yeah, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But our our institutional book just was so large, the retail, we only took five. Wow. Five million. So yeah. you, had to pro you probably had to pair them back, did you? Yeah. Yeah, you probably had bids, a lot yeah. of bids, but you had to say, yeah. sorry, no room. Nearly 200 million. And did you, uh, did, you, did, did you go in with that amount of money you wanted to raise or did you do up the, up the raise? So I knew how much I wanted to raise. Yeah. The bankers wanted to do an easier deal. Yeah. Do something like the 50 to 60. I said, no. So, and then there was discussions on pricing. Well, we can't get this. I said, well, once again, I'll just do it myself. So uh, brought in a cornerstone uh, ourselves and then, it, and then it just flowed. We did it. It's funny during COVID, right? So I've done so many IPOs before and you're pounding the pavement in the US and you know, Europe. Hong Kong and all yeah, that sort literally, of stuff. Literally, literally. Literally pounding yeah, the paper. Yeah, you do right? one city a day. Yes, yeah. And a bunch of meetings, yeah, yeah. you know, it's our painful. Just, just full on. Not this time, right? You're sitting at your desk. You're doing, you know, teams. Yeah. And uh, we did, you know, two, three days, one week. Uh, this is after the whole process, right? The DDC and everything like that. But uh, the whole process uh, of capital raising and meeting, two, three days. We've got the institutional cornerstone book. Two, three days the next week, institutional plus a, a retail one. Um, I think retail bids were 30 million in the space of 10 minutes. But they, they you put them back to five, took them back to five. Yes. Because there's no room. You yep. didn't, they had to any, shut it down in 10 minutes. So you didn't at any stage think about upping the, the limit? You didn't sort of say, well, let's make it 120 or something like that? Well, you're taking out all the aftermarket and those sorts of yeah. things at that time. Yeah. It was a nice raise. We raised them out. We had the 25. We hadn't spent the 25. We're only down to about, say, 12 or something or 15. So we're at over $100 million in the bank. Wow. And and what sort of runway does that give you? Well, we still got 40, 50 in the bank. That's 20, when was that? 21? August 25, uh, 20, no, no. 25 August, 2021. 21. So well, you've got a fairly big runway. Yes. And how important is runway to investors today? Very. Especially today. Well, especially wanna, now. Let's discuss what happened, right? We ran into the worst market ever in the history of biotech and everything else, right? In terms of- in terms of uh, uh, Financial markets. Yeah, in terms of attractiveness of a biotech, for example. Yes. As yes. opposed to the Pre worst- It's not the worst cancer market. No. No. Cancer, you know- Unfortunately, doing yes, well. Yes. But um, everything came out of biotech, right? Yeah. So our share price fell from $1.40 at the IPO price. Went up first, right? But $1.40 down to about intraday 37 cents, 36. 
and a couple of the instos just uh, emptied. Yeah. Top S- down. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, right. Well, they have to. It's sort of nearly automatic. Yes. Parts of it, some of them are, right? Some of them are leveraged or whatever, yeah. and they have that, and they have you know stop losses and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, went down to 37 cents. This was um, June 2022, I think. And, you know, today we're at $2.30 or something. Well, that's a good recovery. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you recover that? Uh, you know, it was an interesting market, right? So there was no use us marketing ourselves because no one no one was listening. Hmm. said, so let's stick to our yeah, knitting. Yeah, was on the nose. Yes, stick to our knitting. Focus on the milestones. Keep delivering, right? And it just so happened that that BIS PSMA product that we optimized from the, the other PSMA products, we've been treating patients with it and we've had phenomenal response. Tumors disappearing with a really good safety profile. You know, this game's simple, right? Better treat people better than, you know, what the market is offering, you get rewarded. And how important is that? Like, so you need clinicians to accept the product. So, you know, I don't know, let's take a silly example. We go down to the Department of Urology down here at St. Vincent's and you want the head of urology, you know, in the private hospital, Phil Stricker, whoever it is, um, or, you know, uh, Carlo Ewan, one of those dudes, say, we're going to give it. A, we're going to give it a crack. Is is that sort of how it works? That's how it did work. Yeah, it did work. Phil Stricker has utilised our products, right? And if, okay. and, if, and if Phil says it works, yeah. then everyone listens. So there's a there's a, a a lady in there, Professor Louise Emmett, who's a nuclear medicine physician, and she's awesome, right? She's on our scientific advisory board. So I'm from the Garvin, same precinct and stuff. But let me tell you, it took a long time to bring her on board. She's an excellent physician, right? But she works with Phil and the team. And uh, and so we ran a diagnostic trial there. Nuclear medicine being, explain what that means. That's a, well, just the use of radiation. Yeah, I, like. just mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I just mean, so the use of radiation, which, which is what your yes. is yes. yep. um, in the cage yep. um, uh, uh, for the PSMA. Yep. Um, but Phil's a surgeon, obviously, yep. right? So he's a urologist. Yep. So they work together. Yep. And uh, what we want to do uh, in that situation is, Identify lesions, right? Yep. Someone's got rising PSA and you can't detect the lesion. You want to find where the lesion is. And there might be different treatment options at that point in time, but you want to find the lesion. And that's what we're very good at. Yeah. So, and, and when it finds a lesion, if you don't mind me asking, when it finds a lesion, um, does that allow it, when you say it finds a lesion, it just doesn't say this is where it is. It actually um, unleashes the, the, the therapy onto it as well. Both. Both. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it finds it. Yeah. There's the imaging first, right? Yep. And then you then you you know, you image the person and you you know, and they come back and then you treat it. You do nuke it effectively. Yes. You, you nuke it. Yeah. But it highly, knows where to go. Highly targeted. So it's yeah. not a it's not like a an, an atom bomb that blows everything up. No. It's a highly targeted missile that just hits the cancer. This yep. is the plan. Yep. Right. Sometimes you get some off site targeting and so you have to go through your clinical trials to make sure that's not at risk. But it's highly targeted to that cancer. And you kill the cancer. Wow! And and so and so your share price is back up. Uh, it's that's a, that's actually a miraculous recovery since twenty twenty two. We're only in twenty twenty four. Just started twenty twenty four. That's unbelievable, particularly in um, biotech because it, it did sort of get, get a bit bashed up a bit post COVID. Um, but you've had a remarkable recovery. And that's as you say earlier, and you said right from the very beginning. It's a lot about communication, but it's also making sure that your stuff works. Yes. And you have clinicians who say it works. Yes. And for example, we just use the example of St. Vincent's your, uh, Department of Urology. Do you believe that listing on the ASX, even though you went through the drama of the share price falling and you would have had a few unhappy investors, do you think that? Was the right outcome for you to raise the, the ninety-two million? I think it was. Yeah, I mean, was that the best way to go? Yes. So um, our exchange is a good exchange, right? Oh, the ASX, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've listed companies for many, many years. Life sciences, you need to raise a lot of capital, right? Ninety-two the is a big raise. Right? Yeah. This was the biggest life That's, sciences deal ever. Is that right? On the ASX, yeah. That's a big raise. Yeah, because uh, I'd done the previous ones, right? So uh, yep. this was the biggest, right? And um, and it was to position ourselves. Now, the predominance of our register was Australian. So, yes, you could look at NASDAQ. But NASDAQ does a, you know, it's an interesting thing. VCs get in really early, pile up, then they do an IPO here, and, you know, and good luck. And they, they're big. The US do it really well with yep. lots of funding, right? Yep. Australia's a little bit different, nuanced, but it's, uh, it's a good exchange. 
it's a good exchange. And we're getting more sophisticated investors here. We've got like, you know, some great instos on the register. And when it was falling, actually, the smart instos were just buying, right? They, yeah. did, the, they did the math here at $1.40. Nothing's changed. You're delivering on all your milestones. At 40 cents, it's a steal. Yeah. And so they load up quite big. Now they're in good positions, right? And how important is it for you as an ASIC listed company during a period like that when there's, it's a little rough, um, how important is it for you yourself, Alan, to get to the institutions who may be buying? Like, do, do you, you know, I'm not saying you go and suggest them they should buy, but how important is your previous communication to that? So, you know, because no point all of a sudden starting to communicate. You have to have had previously communicated so That's they right. knew exactly. Yes. It's got to be their decision, yeah. not your urging. That's right. Was that your process? Yeah, definitely. With any investor, right? Your first meeting, you know, you, you probably don't want people to invest then, right? Because you know they, they, they might be too fast and fickle, right? So you want to build that relationship with the investor. Um, you want to, you know, this is what we do. You know, don't invest today. Go and do your due diligence, but this is what we do. Go and have a chat to Phil Stricker. Yeah. Right? yeah. Go and see what he thinks. Go and go and chat to Louise Emmett. And then, you know, come back to the markets. Chat, chat to the research analysts. All right. We're covered by three three of the groups and get to know them. Well, and, how important and, is that? Really important. So yeah. Bell, Bell's cover you? Bell's cover us. Wilson's cover us. Yep. Wilson's. And Jeffrey's cover us. Right. So you got, and Jeffrey's being the specialist in the area. Well, Jeffrey's uh, in the US, right? right. Jeffrey's, uh, uh, I think, important for that, for US capital markets and the like. Uh, Wilson's actually started covering us independently of a corporate transaction. I should say that's not related to Jeff Wilson, by the way, even though it is called Wilson. No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, different Wilson. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's yeah. HM, Wilson, HM, or HM, yeah, Wilson, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. There's yeah. a great group there. Yep. Right. Um, so, uh, and they're really smart, three in the healthcare group, uh, and did their due diligence from the bottom up yep. without a corporate deal. Right, so that's interesting. Great. Yeah, really good. They're covering another uh, similar company in the on the ASX, and they just um and they said, well, we're seeing this clarity coming along. Uh, it's really interesting, and they actually during our IPO independently set up some meetings with things like some of our suppliers and those sorts of things. Great, great group. Uh, I just really like them. I really like all of them. All of those groups, are great, right? Uh, they are investment bankers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but given I was one, you know, I got to you know, let them off a little bit right. lighter. Yeah. So, uh, and great coverage uh, and the like. And they continue then to be in the market and those sorts of things and, and promote. But uh, Australia's uh, one part of us, but we're, the predominance of our stuff that we do is in the US. Right. So having that, those US contacts, uh, really important, particularly in the strategic sort of positioning now. So this is a hot space now, uh, strategically. You, 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 in terms of hot space, you're talking about um, um, acquisitions to to make acquisitions for you no. or to be acquired. Yeah, so it's um, Radio Farm is 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 you know there's this area called um that's that's been really hot called antibody drug conjugates where you have an antibody, you stick a toxin on it, goes to a lesion, gets internalised, you kill the the cancer. We're very similar. We have a same thing, targeting moiety, and a cage, we just have radiation. It just has to attach to it. So what's happened is there's not many companies in the world like us, you know, generating fantastic data in the clinic, real patients, and getting right, shrinking their tumors. They've failed five to seven lines of therapy, and their PSA, which is a, you know, a yep. test, goes to undetectable levels. Wow. It's amazing, right? And the side effects are modest, you know, a little bit of a metallic taste or a you're no. not burnt. No. It's or you're uh, not vomiting no. or whatever. Yeah. So uh, side effects are, fan are fantastic, right, as, as far as that's concerned. And uh, when you start generating that data and in prostate cancer, which is a large market opportunity, then um, what happened at the back end of last year? You know, Eli Lilly have jumped on. They've acquired a company with few assets and manufacturing space. Eli Lilly have a 600 billion US dollar capitalization. Yeah, massive. You know, uh, we had BMS jump on board. With a 4.1 billion US dollar acquisition just around Christmas time, uh, we've already got Novartis in the space, Bayer's in the space, and there's you know there's a dynamic amongst you know pharma companies that feel they have to be in the space. All the 800 pound gorillas. Yes. Is that is that massive a, 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 of the two dollars? What did you say? Two dollars? What are you know? Thirty or something? Two dollars. Yeah, right. So of that, what would you say is um uh, been reflective is reflective of the fact that you might you might get taken out. Uh, you know, was it we think 20, it's, 30 cents or? yeah, well, I don't know. It's, um, I think given our positioning, particularly the US deals, like 4.1 billion US dollars for mm. a, a, a really a, a drug in a rare area, 
because it was smaller for the, the company to, you know, big pharma to get a position. Uh, we've got a capitalization just over 600 million now. Yeah, so um, you would appear cheap. Aussie. Aussie. Yeah, yeah that really makes it cheaper. Yeah, it does. So, um, so but we've got cash in the bank. We're generating more data. You know, if people followed, you know, previously how we read out, they'll see the data coming out. We show people the data as we go. When it comes to transactions, that you know, we, we look like a you know we're so small still, right? Yeah. So uh, well, you're, I you're, don't know how much is priced. Which means being so small is actually a good thing because it's sort of relatively easy to be hoovered up. Yes. Relative yep. to the American giants. Yes. You know, like it's yep. relatively. So then the markets love that stuff. Yes. Because it's sort of there's an alpha in there, like it's as a jump. Yes. From just significant. looking at a significant jump. Um, yeah. And, and that's very interesting. Well, I, I guess I'm an honorable wisdom. Overall experience on ASX being listed, what what's your view? Well, we're in an interesting market, weren't we? So yeah, totally. Uh, we and you know it was quite interesting. It goes back to those discussions with the bankers and those sorts of things. Wanted to raise less and control the deal and those sorts of things. Raising a bit more came in really handy. Really positions us where we are today. Right, we got through the the somewhat tornadoes of the of the markets. We're in good shape now, generating fantastic clinical trial data. Okay, we can continue to do that, right? We ran into the IPO, not with, you know, some people uh, go in and they just haven't even started their game yet, right? Mm. We went in with runway, right? We had money raised beforehand, so we had momentum and we just continue that momentum. Uh, I highly recommend that to people wanting to go public uh, and now we're in great shape. Uh, you know, raising ninety-two million is is difficult. So, yeah, it's, uh, I find if you it quite it, amazing. To be if honest you do it, if you do it privately, it's you know near impossible. You need VCs, and suddenly then you have VC issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you we different type of deal, different type of structure. Yes, very, very. You will be doing a shareholder agreement. Yes, which would have a whole lot of changes in and it. And you'll have you know VCs on your board just yeah, yeah. worried about their own vested yeah, interests. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't have that. Yeah, everyone's aligned. Yeah, shareholders aligned, teams aligned. We just want to you know. Change people's lives, first part, and then that follows with building value. Well, I think it's a good way to end this, change people's lives and build value. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Alan Taylor. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Great hanging out. Going Public is a collaboration between Mark Boris and Stake. Find out more on hellostake.com. Any information shared is for informational and educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice.